Welcome to Father's Day at Freedom City. Yeah. We're going to do something a little different this this week. If it is, uh, if you're a father, happy Father's Day. No matter what your situation is, if your children are with you or not, happy Father's Day. You can clap on that. That's good. Fatherhood's good. Fatherhood's good. I see some, some, I mean, I see some grown fathers with their dads. That's really powerful. That's good to see. Because, you know, in this culture, we see fatherhood and we make fun of it. Right? How many of you watch sitcoms? You all see the dad's a doofus, right? Yeah, you're laughing. Some of us resemble that. I say that honestly. I mean, I've been a father for, a, a biological father for almost 20 years. I'm a professional father. My wife, Dawn, and I have had something like 40 foster kids. Um, it, it works because Dawn's a great mother. Uh, but being a father is a big job. You know, no matter how you do it, and there's a lot we could talk about in Father's Day. And I had second thoughts about this message last night. I was telling the panel, you know, I'm looking through Facebook late at night, which is a bad idea. Anybody do that? Bad idea. And I'm seeing these other churches talking about, we're going to have bacon. We're going to have barbecue. Okay. They probably have beans, the three Bs for, for a father, right? That's what we see in humanity and often is what a father is. But you know, when this book in my hand, the Bible, when it talks about God, it talks about God as a father, right? Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. In Luke 11, his disciples say, hey, teach us to pray. And what's he say? The first word out of his mouth, he goes, okay. He says, father. He calls God the father. That's difficult for some of us who may have had a misunderstanding or may not have had a father growing up. Yet in the book of Ephesians, it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God identifies himself as a father. But again, the difficulty is understanding that. One of my first understandings of religion was the church I was in, the, 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 the clergy, the pastors were called Father. So I'm like a three-year-old, and I'm told to pray. So I'm like, okay, Father. And I would close my eyes, and I would see this priest. Weird thing. It took, it took years for me to get that out of my head every time I prayed to God the Father. When I became a father, like six weeks before I became, my, my daughter was born, my own father died. And he didn't follow Jesus till the end of his life. And so trying to understand what it meant to be a godly father, trying to understand what it meant to be a father was difficult. I'm grateful here at Freedom City that we have some great examples of people who stepped up to be spiritual fathers, including our senior pastor, Pastor John. Now, again, I could go on and talk a lot about what it means to be a father and how to be a father, but today we're going to talk about the father. We're going to celebrate God the Father in ways because, again, for those of us, men and women in the room, sometimes that's difficult to understand. So I've got a great panel here. We're going to talk a little bit about the characteristics of God 
and how we experience that. As Pastor Joshua mentioned, sometimes we mistake it. Sometimes it's difficult for us to celebrate family because of our own families. So I'm going to sit in this chair and I'm going to shut up a little bit and ask some folks to come up. The first thing I want to talk about God being a father is that God is present. God is present. Jesus uses this curious term that scholars have fought, fought over. The night before he dies and is crucified, he prays. And in his prayer, he says, Abba, Father. Now, the translators don't translate Abba because it's an Aramaic term that often means my father. You'll see this elsewhere in Romans 8 and in Galatians 4. In Galatians 4, in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul writes, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. That's a term in the Roman Empire that meant you were a full child. So you become adopted by God. And it says, by, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Well, Abba is a term that really means like dad. It's a familiar term of somebody you would be in contact with every day. So when we pray, it's not like, oh, lofty father, I can't see. It's like, dad. I'm here. Isn't that good news? So to help us talk through this, I want, I want to invite our first panelist, a man you should know and you should love, Zach Rogers. So Zach is a father. He is a husband. He loves Jesus. He loves his wife. He is a theologian in a yellow cap. He is a minister. You all know that? He is a man on a mission. So, Zach, let's start by talking a little bit about the household you grew up in. Um, well, the house I grew up in, I didn't have a father. My dad and my uncle were both murdered uh, on Thanksgiving when I was very young. So, I, don't, I didn't grow up with a father. I, in fact, I grew up with men in the house who were probably not the best father figures that possibly could be. I, uh, I struggled with not having a father as a kid. You know, everybody else had their dads and everybody else had this. And I had this horror story that I grew up with. And I lived in the, the shame and the, the, the doubt of not having a father and having a tragic loss in my life of my father throughout my days. So everything was just kind of warped and skewed, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, those of us who've heard your testimony know that you've been through some struggles. Yes. Um, and that you've been through prison, you have been through recovery. Trying to find a father figure in that. Well, for most of my life, I would, I would in, whether it was in prison or in the streets, involved with gangs and stuff, I always was trying to find surrogate father figures. I mean, if somebody would come into my life and show me uh, attention, guidance, whether, like one of my first one was my brother-in-law, who was a member of a notorious uh, prison gang in California, and he poured into my life, but he poured into my life such dark things that it was, it was setting the stage for the life that would come if, before Christ. Um, but I continued to, it seemed like I continued to do that. I'd find surrogate fathers as they'd present themselves, and I would just kind of latch on. So what did it look like for you? Because you are, you know, if you don't know Zach, Zach is a man of the Bible. He understands the word and cares for it. 
So you read that God is a father. You read then that, which, which of course makes some sense, right? Yes. You understand God is Lord. But then you see terms like Abba, like dad. How do you deal with that? Well, throughout my Christian walk, which I'm still, I'm still pretty new to Christianity. I've, I've, I'm new to my walk with faith. Um, but one of the things that I feel like I understood from reading the word was God is Lord. God is as, as my king. And I understood him as kneeling before the throne and serving him with all my heart, strength, mind, and spirit. I understood that. But it wasn't until, you know, I was, I was looking down before I come up here, and I was looking down at the, the tag from Children's Church where I checked in my son into, into, into City Kids, yeah. and I was looking at that, like, and it brought me back to what God has been speaking to me since my first son was born. Really, even before that, whenever my, my son Leo came into my household, my stepson, and... How do I, he said, you need to know me not just as Lord, but you need to start knowing me as Father. And someone who is not always on the throne necessarily, but in the back room where I, you could crawl up in my lap and cry or ask for things. And it's more of a vulnerability place where God is comforting me, which is alien to me. It's absolutely just so alien to me, but I'm praying that God reveals himself in those moments, especially in fatherhood. That's powerful. That's a powerful word that God is present and that he desires that type of relationship with you. Yeah. So God is present. That's the first principle we're going to talk about with God. And next we're going to talk about God being merciful. There are folks who wrongly divide the Bible and in, see God as God of the Old Testament, and they will see him as God who is kind of mean and tough, and then they'll see God who is nice in the New Testament. But the whole Bible, cover to cover, shows God as a God of mercy. We'll see that again in the Old Testament in the book of Lamentations, which can be a kind of a rough read. It says this, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You may have heard people pray this or sing this, is that your mercies are new every morning. Yeah, you can clap, please. Again, Zach's testimony is powerful as he is finding his father in heaven. I want to bring up the one and only Joseph Haynes. Joseph is a man who is present, always has a good word. And Joseph, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Welcome, Freedom City. Thank you for welcoming me. So, Joseph, tell me a little bit about the household you grew up in. So, uh, you know, I, I had something planned, but <laughs> it's it different it when you different step when up on stage, stage or right, right before you step up on stage. So we're going to go back a little bit um, prior uh, to the household. So I'm, I'm actually a miracle. Um, my mother, my biological mother, uh, had sickle cell anemia. So to carry a child was life-threatening to her. Uh, and she had several abortions. So 
me, uh, the person you see here, was hidden in a complex scheme between her and my aunt by marriage until the pregnancy was too late to be aborted. So that pregnancy and carrying me um, caused her early demise. Okay, so uh, she died when I was one years old, and my and my father died when I was two. My biological father, which put me um, uh, in different placements. So my grandmother raised me for some time uh, until she could no longer do that. And the aunt that hid the pregnancy, which is my mom uh, on paper, adopted me. Um, and then I went to a, another household uh, with the aunt and uncle in Louisiana. But uh, uh, shortly into that last placement, uh, my uncle uh, became estranged. And so she was left to raise me. So what did that look like in terms of having a father in the house? Was there one? There wasn't one, but just like Zach said, you know, we serve such a merciful and gracious God. Um, you know, we're covering mercy and we use it lightly, but mercy biblically uh, is the decision to drop the debt that a person has incurred. Okay. Right. So it's, it's getting what you, um, it's not getting what you deserve. So, even in that season, even in those seasons, and I mean, even last night, I'm going back in my mind and I'm thinking of all the people God has placed in my life as father figures and mother figures. Um, I have one that's here, Marjorie. She's not in the audience, but uh, uh, she's most of, of recent. But uh, yes, he, he's, he has filled that void and he continues to fill that void. So you've... We, we've seen, some of us have seen your testimony. You've yes. Had, you've had struggles. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> I got a rap sheet big as a phone book. Okay. <laughs> the, Bible's, the Bible's bigger than a phone book. The Bible, that's <laughs> right, a greater power, absolutely. <laughs> so you come to Jesus. You never mm -hmm. really had, you know, you, now God is a father. Mm -hmm. okay. One of the tenets we're talking about today is God being merciful. That's right. How have you experienced his mercy? So... You know, being raised by that last aunt in Louisiana, church wasn't a choice. It was when you were going and you were going. Right. So, um, you know, I had a biblical, a strong um, Christian background. Um, and alcohol and drugs just never, it wasn't something that I wanted to do or had the urge to do. So I didn't start drinking until the age of 25. Okay, but uh, the alcoholism lasted for 15 years. In the end of that, the, those last four years, I was addicted to meth. I was homeless. Um, I mean, I literally lost my mind walking the streets. I, you know, I read the story of Nebuchadnezzar, and it's like, <laughs> that was me, <laughs> you know. So um, incurring uh, a lot of charges, uh, the charges finally caught up with me. Uh, I was in Greene County. I got extradited back from Joplin because I ran to Joplin for a, uh, uh, because I was facing a probation violation. And uh, I ran to Joplin there and I got extradited back. And so I'm facing uh, probably seven charges. I never will forget it. And, I'm, and I finally get called into court and the judge says, Mr. Haynes, this is how this is going to go. So we're going to read off your charges and uh, we'll wait for the prosecution to respond and then we'll go from there. And she starts reading off these charges and uh, the first charge comes up and the prosecution says case dismissed. The second charge comes up and the prosecution says case dismissed. The third charge pops up and the prosecution says case dismissed. The fourth charge pops up and the prosecution says case dismissed. The fifth charge pops up and the 
prosecution says case dismissed. Two of the charges stick, uh, and we proceed from there. So I remember going back to work because I'm working in the kitchen, you know, and I, we, that's a whole other story. We can go into that, but that, that's, that, that was a whole other story. Um, and I remember walking back to the kitchen, I thought to myself, well, they're going to ask me who I've been buying my drugs from, or God is real, okay? So nobody asked me who I was buying my drugs from, okay? And that's when I started taking God seriously, right? Because his mercy had shown up there. You know, we talk about this thing, but it's different when you experience it in life. When he shows up to change a situation. That's not, that's not the end of that story. Oh, no, it continues on. So um, I go before the judge. The judge reinstates my probation. They put me in a sober living program, faith-based sober living, faith-based uh, drug treatment program. But I have a charge in Joplin because I was so smart when I was on drugs. I put the drugs in the trunk of the car. So when they pulled me over in Joplin, guess what? I copped two more charges in Joplin, right? So my probation violation is reinstated, um, my third trip to Joplin, and I'm sitting outside the courtroom, uh, and I earnestly say this prayer, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired of lying. And he audibly spoke, and he said, you don't have to, just like that. And I don't know how y'all's conversation is with God, but mine sometimes is back and forth, okay? So I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? I don't have to lie. If I get another charge, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and all, this gonna, all these things. So I'm having this conversation, and the prosecutor walks out, and he calls my name, and he says, Joseph Haynes, I said, I am he. He says, Mr. Haynes, we have uh, drug paraphernalia, and we have possession. I said, that's correct. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to drop the charges. And he turned around and walked off. Have a good day. That's what he said. <laughs> so I left there with, of course, an even greater renewal uh, in your spirit. It's different when you experience the mercy amen. of God. Yes, amen. Yes. Amen. So what we're hearing is the presence of God in both of these men's lives. We're hearing the mercy of God as well in some very real ways. You know, I'm reminded of the verse that God is the father of the fatherless, right? And he's showing up in some very real ways. Another way that the Bible describes God is that God is loving. And that can be very difficult for those of us in the room online who maybe not have had a father or may not have had a loving father. But the Bible in 1 John 4, 8 says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So I want to invite up Rob Helfer to the stage. Many of you know Rob for lots of things, from his work as a drug and alcohol counselor to a barbecue chef to a man whose personality is as bright as his shoes and his glasses. Right. So you don't know, Rob, the house you grew up in, you had a father, and, and you had a father provided. But when we talked about this, you described your father as authoritarian. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I do want to emphasize that I really did grow up in a good home. Now, my dad was not a Christ follower, 
when I was growing up. He didn't get, he didn't get saved until later in life. Uh, my mom was a Christ follower. Um, so I, ha I really did grow up in a good family. Um, but my dad was an authoritarian. You know, he, was, he had an amazing work ethic, um, taught us kids how to have a work ethic, how to, you know, how to do a, a hard day's work. And um, um, so, you know, that part of it was really good. But he was one of these people, you know, don't do what I do, do what I say do. And it was like, you know, I got spanked all the time, okay? I mean, that's just all there was to it. You know, one thing I, I tell everybody is, you know, my addiction was not drugs and alcohol. Mine was stupidity. I mean, so. <laughs> a, just, a lot of us can agree <laughs> with that. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, and so, uh, but anyway, so it was when I, when my, um, when I started having children, when I got married and I started having children, the one thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to have the same um, mindset. I didn't want my kids to feel the way that I felt you know, that I was scared of my dad, you know, you know, oh my gosh, don't do it, dad, dad, dad'll get you, you know, that kind of, because people have this, this, as I've grown up in, as a Christ follower, people have this idea of God that he's this big white haired guy with ready to pounce you every time you make a mistake. And that is not who he is. So what, yeah, what, you can know, y'all can clap. That's good news. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Cause you went from an authoritarian household to the U.S. Marine Corps. Yep which is not exactly known as warm and fuzzy. <laughs> so, and it's in the Marine Corps that you find Jesus. Absolutely. So you come out of a... a Oceanside a, Assembly of God Church. In Hallelujah. Oceanside, California. Beautiful spot. Mm -hmm. You come to Jesus, and now you're told that the Father is loving. He is. He's intimate, and he's personal, to every single one of our situations. Okay, tell he me was, how you experience that. Oh, wow, I just, um, I'm gonna use my family, okay? You know, I have a tendency to be a space cadet, okay? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm real out going, hey, how you doing? But you know, I'm the guy that loses the keys and loses the wallet and does all that kind of stuff, you know? But you know, then I, she gives me a wife that, Rob, you know, keeps me in order, you know? And just absolutely loves me to pieces. I don't deserve that. And then, you know, he, he gave me my kids that are just, um, all of my kids are, are saved, okay? We, we meet every Sunday afternoon for, for family dinner, you know? And, you know, he gave me seven of the most beautiful grandkids you've ever seen in your life. Okay? So, but that's what I'm talking about. He's intimate and he's personal to each one of us. And, you know, if there's, if there's somebody out there that's really struggling with that image of God, I got to tell you, he just absolutely loves you to pieces. Well, one of the things I appreciate in your story, Rob, is that you've taken everything that you see in life and you've seen God in it and through it. Because, again, God is present, he is merciful, and he is loving and gives us gifts to help complement what we are. Even to the knucklehead. Yeah. Amen. So we've seen God as present. We've seen God as merciful. We've seen God as loving. And there are many more characteristics of God. But the last one we're going to talk today about is gracious. We're going to talk about God being gracious. Sometimes there's a sense in our lives that we have to be perfect before God will show up. 
And that's not what the scripture says. In fact, in Romans 5, 8, it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2,000 years before any of us were even born, Jesus paid a price knowing that we would come along. And what was it? What did you say that your gift was? Stupidity? Knuckleheadedness? Just knuckleheadedness, yes, yeah. Yes, the knuckleheadedness. The, the gift knucklehead of knuckleheadedness, club. right? <laughs> Must be a spiritual gift or an anti-spiritual gift. But there's a sense in a lot of us, right? We want to clean up before we go. Clean the fish before we catch them. Absolutely. So I want to bring up somebody who's, who God has been all over her life. And it's important, I think, today that we also recognize that we're going to have a woman on the panel for Father's Day because God is the father of all of us. Yes, he is. And he's a good and gracious father to all of us. So you all know and you all love Tina Stout. Tina? Good morning. Good morning. So, Tina, you grew up in what you described as a good home with a good father. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was blessed um, beyond belief to have the father, the loving father of a godly example uh, that showed everything. He was married to my mother for 56 years wow. and was in church every Sunday and lived the life at home in, tr in every situation before me. So, um, yeah, he was an amazing father. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that example and then your own journey to Jesus. Yeah. So um, in having a father that loved me so much, I wanted to be what I thought his expectation was of me. And so I thought I had to live everything, do everything correctly, be, act, say, do everything perfect. And I took that on when I um, recognized who God was, my father, that I had to be, and this expectation that I put on myself, that I had to be perfect. So in growing up, obviously, none of us are perfect. <laughs> So I thought, okay, well, I can't do it. I'm just disappointing everybody. I am going to um, just go my own way. So I'm part of that stupidity club. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. I went and uh, did my own way. And a lot of people know my testimony, but uh, went through years, decades um, of addiction and went the opposite way because I felt like I couldn't be that perfect person. So when you came to Jesus, when Jesus finally got through, and, and your testimony is powerful because there are a number of attempts. Yes. <laughs> right? But when you accepted, again, tell me a little bit about how perfectionism played out. Because you're, again, a lot of us, how many perfectionists in the house? Yeah, the perfectionists are like, I can't raise my hand just right. <laughs> right? That's a joke. Let it sink in. <laughs> But you come to God, and again, that verse in Romans, how did that play out in your understanding of God as a father? Well, I had to um, realize that I would never be who 
even other people expected me to be. And so no matter what, I remember walking into this church and I was still living on the streets and I would come in out of my mind and people loved me for who I was. And I'd been raised in a very strict church, so I didn't understand that. So when they loved me for who I was, I, I, it was a whole new understanding of what God, how God loves me. And um, so I started to receive that. And then it became more and more of an understanding of how God loves me exactly the way I am. And so then my desires started changing. What I wanted to do, what I wanted, how I lived my life, it wasn't because I had to do it. It was because I wanted to be different. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that you mentioned the church. I mean, Pastor John, our, our founder, senior pastor, yes. has certainly fostered that, Absolutely. that all are welcome as they are. Right? Yes, yes. When you come to Jesus, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, gives you the power to change. Yes. And desire to change. And the desire to change. Amen. So we're grateful for a place like this. Yes. So as we start to wrap up, Tina, tell me what advice you would have for somebody who may be struggling with that. The mm -hmm. sense of, because perfectionism is, is one of those things that drives many people to addiction. Yes. Because there's no way out. There's no way out of perfectionism because you can't reach that bar. So you turn to drugs, you turn to alcohol, you turn to other people, relationships, toxic behaviors. And then you, when you say people are like, there's a way out, you're like, well, let me get clean first. Yes. Right? Oh my and we can't do that. So what advice do you have for a man or a woman sitting here or listening online who may be struggling with the same thing? Just receive God's love. He is your daddy. And that is a whole different understanding. No matter what kind of example of the father that you have, um, Jesus our father, God our father, and the Holy Spirit loves you exactly the way you are. That you don't have to. Just come and receive it. And when you do that, when you truly accept that God loves you for who you are, then you, your desires change. And I just, I can't say that enough. It's, it's something that happens deep inside and it's for every single person. I know what it's like to feel hopeless. Like I can't do it. I'm done. And that's the surrender God wants. That's okay. That's where he wants us. And at Amen. that point, God changes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. God, God's graciousness is shown forth certainly in Tina's life, the transformation, the calling and work that God has given to you. Rob, you talked about God being loving. Again, for many people, there's a struggle in that. What's your advice? Well, you know, I heard a thing, I heard a thing the other day that said uh, salvation gets you to the door, but relationship gets you through the door. And it's all about relationship. Uh, finding out, you know, uh, you know, God wants to. God already knows who you are, but when you build a relationship with Him, that's that's everything. Because now He can actually start to work in your life and start to put things together. Everybody has a purpose. Yeah. 
we have different, every single person in here has different eyes. You know, even if you're a twin, your, your eyes are different than your twin. Your fingerprints are different. When God, when God made you, he broke the mold, and he wants a relationship with you. Amen. So, Joseph, we talked about mercy and powerful testimony you have of how God has shown his mercy to you. We're grateful for you sharing that. Thank you. What would you tell somebody who's struggling that God is merciful, that even though their sins, their past weighs heavy? I mean, you talked about having a rap sheet big as a phone book. For those, yeah. for those of you millennials, it's on CaseNet. a phone book's a big book, all yeah. right? It's on CaseNet. It's on CaseNet. Right. You keep scrolling, all right? Yeah. So, but God's mercy has covered that. What do you tell somebody? So I think I would, the advice that I would give is just to stay the course. Um, you know, as I rededicated my life back to God uh, in, that, in that season, uh, his mercy was great. Um, but I also realized the analogy was given to me uh, of the sun. So we get seasons in the sun not because the sun moves, but because we rotate around the sun, night and day because we rotate around the sun. So the sun doesn't change, we change in relation to the sun. Um, and this is not always the case uh, because I was reminded of God being merciful to someone uh, that refused to repent, uh, but he still was merciful and that broke the, the uh, woman's, um, that broke her down and she, and she actually, turned her life back over to God. But in my case, um, it had to do with me repenting and returning to him, um, calling the sin what the sin was. And then I was able to relate to a different side of God, the merciful and the gracious side of God. And, uh, and that's what, where I want to stay. <laughs> so um, my advice would be to stay the course. Um, there's nothing that you can do to receive more love. There's nothing you can do to lose the love of God. It's the inheritance that, uh, that's, at, uh, that's at stake, the inheritance. So what you receive from him uh, is very dependent on how we relate to him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. So, Zach, your story is powerful, how God has moved in you, how he is still shaping you to understand that he is a father that you can go to at any time. And appreciate all of our panelists for sharing, but, Zach, in your story, what would you tell somebody who says, it's, it's got a story similar to yours, where maybe there wasn't a father, father was distant, or they come to God and can't experience him in that. They might experience him. I loved how you said, you could understand him as Lord, but you couldn't understand him as Father. For me, what I would uh, encourage anybody who has a similar story of, like mine or who grew up without a father, God is present for me, especially in the men of God that he's placed around me. Amen. Spiritual mentorship has gr continually grown me. Um, whether it was the VICs who were coming into Ozark Correctional Center when I was there, Pastor John speaking li life over me, or whether it's uh, Rob Helfer, who was one of my mentors for several years recently, who continually sh was teaching me and giving me advice on how to be a good father. Little things like, hey, 
hold your son right here so you don't wear out your arm, which, I mean, I was even able within a week after, after him telling me that, was able to pass it on to somebody else I seen struggling as I was driving. I was, but that's how it works. We're able to receive knowledge of how God is our father, passing on wisdom, and he is present in the spiritual mentors that he places around us. Several people, like right now I'm working with Jason Jakes, who's a father of many people, and he is a man of God, and he's able to teach me different things. Uh, Pastor Matt here, everybody who's able to, if, well, how can I put this? It's almost like the old saying, closed mouth don't get fed. <laughs> you know? And, and it's the same thing with spiritual wisdom. If we don't ask, we can't receive it, and we can't get fed, and we can't grow strong in the things we're looking for. And the things we need. And we need God as our father to teach us how to be good fathers. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm still hungry to learn. And I don't know, no, I don't know it all. Would you all give a round of applause to our panel today? One of the things that Zach just said I think is really powerful. At, at Freedom City, we believe that what we have was given to us as a gift and that we pass it on. The, the idea that we seek the one, right? That we are here to encourage one another. We're here to bless one another. This is, I think, a sign of a true church. And, and that's been true since Pastor John and and Pastor Hannah founded this church, which feels like way back when, right? <laughs> Not too far, but it has been about passing it on. And so I'm grateful for the wisdom of the panelists who are willing to do this. You can clap for them again. But I'm going to, we're going to enter a time of prayer here and some worship, and the, the worship team's going to come back on stage. Our panelists in a second are going to go down front, and if you felt connected to somebody's story, they will be happy to pray with you. Okay, we're going to invite the prayer workers up as well. But we want to pray for three groups of people. The first is for fathers. If you're like, I'm a father and I need prayer, we're here for you. The second group is for fathers who don't have their children. You're getting your life right, and Jesus is moving. The Holy Spirit is, is coming. You're like, you pray for this. This place has been a house of miracles since it started, and God is moving miraculously. Trust me, we are seeing things here, friends, other churches have prayed for for years there are things happening here that don't happen in every church. Can we acknowledge that for a second? God's presence, his mercy, his love, and his grace are here in ways that he is changing lives. And he is restoring families. He is restoring parents to their children, children to their parents. That's a biblical concept too. He is doing that. We are seeing men reunited and women reunited with their children and restored. So if that's you, 
We're going to pray for you. And then the third group is this. For those of you who need to experience the love of the Father. Some of you have come into this house and you feel distant. And you feel like God has forsaken you. And we're here to tell you that God still loves you. And that God wants you back. If you don't know the love of God, today is your day. That the Father is calling you back. There's the powerful story of the prodigal son in the Gospels. That somebody who grows up with everything turns his back on the father and runs away and squanders it all, loses it all. And life turns into a mess and he finally says, you know what, I'm not even worthy to be a servant in my father's house, but I'm going to go back. And that guy doesn't try to clean himself up. He's covered in pig slop and who knows what, and he's practicing his speech as he goes back because you all know we all got a speech that we're going to do, right? We all got something in our head that says, if I do this, it's the magic formula, and God's going to take me back. And like Tina's story, God's not looking for that. In the story of the prodigal son, the father sees the son before the son sees the father. And he rushes to him. He rushes out to him and embraces him. He tells his servants, we're going to have a party because the son of mine who was once was lost is now found. The best thing you can do this Father's Day to celebrate is to come to the love of the Father. So panel, I'm going to dismiss you, prayer workers. I'm going to ask you to come up. Worship team, if you're not here, come on up, and we're going to do this. If that's you, and you need the love of the Father, and you need his forgiveness, you can do it in your seat. Somebody last week came to me and said, that was the best altar call because you didn't call me out. Okay? I think there's something powerful about you coming up. But come on up. If that's you, and you need to receive the love of the Father, come on up. There are a few of you coming. If you've been like feeling the sin, you've been feeling the weight of it, come on up. And we're going to pray for you. We're all going to pray this together. We're going to say, God, I believe in you. No matter how bad my sin, you can forgive it. Would you forgive me today? Thank you for forgiving me. I receive your love. I receive you as Father. Thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, thank you for making the way. Today as I receive the love of the Father, I pledge to live for you now and forever. Amen. Now those of you who need to receive that power, need to receive the love of the Father, need to receive the God's mercy, His grace, His presence. Come on up and let's have a time of worship and prayer.